baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Uh, new today, the U.S. Department of Education has opened a Title VI investigation at the University of Minnesota. This was a an investigation requested by law professor Richard Painter and former University of Minnesota Regent Michael Shu about a month ago. We had Richard Painter on to talk about this, and the U.S. Department of Education today confirming that they have opened that Title VI investigation into uh, alleged anti-Semitism at the University of Minnesota. Richard Painter uh, will join us at 1035 to discuss uh, what's next here with that investigation. The uh, Department of Education, by the way, has opened, I think this is the 99th Title VI investigation uh, into various schools around the country for similar allegations. This all since the October 7th uh, brutal terrorist attack in Israel by Hamas. So we'll talk to Richard Painter at uh, 10.35. Drinking one glass or more of 100% fruit juice each day is associated with weight gain in children and adults. This according to new analysis of 42 previous studies. Uh, researchers say our analysis suggested that younger children, those under 11 years old, showed a greater BMI for every 8-ounce additional serving per day, again, of 100% fruit juice. Adam, in a world where we're trying to get healthier things to our kids, you go to that aisle and it says 100% juice, you think, oh, that's the healthy choice. Right. But now apparently this study says that even that is associated with weight gain. What, what does that make you think as a parent that's trying to keep some semblance that, of a healthy house? That it is very difficult to do that based on we should be able to trust labels. We should be able to trust companies uh, when they tell us this is a healthy option or a healthier option. Sadly, it, you really have to do your own looking. You know, I did the Whole30 diet probably five years ago or six years ago, which was basically a no-sugar diet. And it opened my eyes how to read labels. If you truly know how to read labels, what to look out for, it is so advantageous to you because – It'll tell you that, oh, yeah, but then you look at added sugar and what, because obviously fruit has sugar in it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Of course. Natural sugar, but it's the added sugar that gets you. So, and again, everything in moderation. I mean, if your kid's drinking two, three big bottles of Sunny D or whatever it is every day, I mean, that's going to be a problem. You know, having a glass of orange juice every morning, probably not going to kill you or make you fat. But again, it's, it, I wish we could trust, you know, companies to tell us the complete truth about everything, but that's the society we live in and it's a, it's on us to really look at labels and decipher what they mean. Emergency services in Kansas City responded with aid to almost 70 people, many with hypothermic symptoms during the Chiefs Super Wild Card weekend game against the Miami Dolphins on Saturday. 15 fans ended up in the hospital. The air temperature was negative for Fahrenheit with wind chills dipping down to 20 degrees below zero, making it the fourth coldest game 
in NFL history. Adam, if you had the chance to go to, you know, maybe no it's a playoff Vikings game, you got tickets, but it's going to be negative four. Would you go? I just told you that I keep the Vikings at arm's length, <laughs> and that includes frigid temperatures. That does not do anything for me. I will say this. When the Vikings had to play at U.S. Ban- or at now Huntington Bank Stadium, while U.S. Bank Stadium was being built, I covered that uh, Bears game, which turned out to be the final Brett Favre game, because mm-hmm. they played the Bears on a snowy night. Favre got knocked out of the game. He never played in the NFL again. It was kind of cool, but that wasn't super cold. It was just very snowy, and fans were reveling in the snow. And you saw some of those pictures from Buffalo this weekend where the entire bleachers were covered yes. in snow, and the fans are digging out seats yes. for themselves. Uh, but the real cold stuff, no. As long, I mean, if you can get out of it for a while, yeah, it's fine. And but no, that doesn't appeal to me. And again, though, I mean, you can obviously those people who had to be treated just weren't prepared for it, yeah. clothing wise, because it's possible they make clothing yes. where you would you could be protected and feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. So to each their own, but. Nah, as a younger man, maybe, but no, not anymore. Costco is testing out a new way to enter their stores. They're testing a new system that requires members to scan their membership cards uh, electronically at the store entrance instead of just flashing the card to a store employee. This, on top of self-checkout and automated sample machines, could make a contact-free experience at Costco. Uh, Adam, is this a good plan that you can go to Costco and never have to talk to somebody, or do you wish you had a human interaction? Well, I don't. Well, here's the thing about Costco, and I, I, you know, if they're employing people to do that, that's fantastic. But I always wonder why when I'm walking into Costco, usually I'm prepared. I'll get the card out. I'll know that I'm going in. But sometimes I'll forget, and then I'm sitting there, and I'm clogging. You know, I got the, the huge, massive cart that they have. And then people are behind you, and I'm trying to pull out the card to show them. Here's the thing. If you have to pull that out to buy your stuff and then show your receipt when you get out, why do you yeah, need to yes. show the card when you're going into the Costco? Exactly. 651-461-9226. Answer that question. Why do we need to show our Costco card going into the store? Yeah. I also, you wonder if they actually look when you kind of flash your card. Like, are they really looking that closely? I remember in, in college, we had to flash our student ID to get past the security gate. And I would routinely just reach into my wallet, pull out a card, grab the first card yeah. I grab, whatever it was, and just flash it, smile and wave. Or and you technically, you could have a fake Costco card and just show, or pull, you know, yeah. show it. But again, at Costco, that doesn't do you any good. It doesn't good do because you any good because you're not going to be able to buy anything because yeah. you need to. Scan it when you check out. That's yeah. even for the liquor store, too. I mean, you need to show it when you mm-hmm. go into the liquor store. By the yeah, way, Costco, weird. I've said this many, many times. Yeah. yeah. Two things are worth it at Costco, the gas and the wine selection. Ooh, if you okay. like wine, if you're a fan of good wine, Costco has great wines. I mean, I, I can't even tell you. I could count on less than a hand, half a hand of bad <laughs> wines that I've bought at Costco. NBC News and WMUR have canceled the next Republican primary debates, debate scheduled for next Thursday in New Hampshire. Yeah, good. Uh, here's the deal. There's only three candidates. Trump, we know, won't play. And now Nikki Haley is saying she's out if Trump is out. So I guess DeSantis was the only one left, and they're just going to cancel the debate. Is this, uh, is this a loss, Adam, for no. the Democratic process? No. I think we're... 
do I want to do away with debates forever? No, because I think there still is a place for b- debate. But debates now have become uh, clickbait. That all I need to do is get a couple of zingers in there that will I can put in an ad or put on a fundraising blitz on social media to raise some money. If you're talking to me, as boring as it may seem, to have two candidates sit down and talk about issues without, you know, getting personal or getting degrading or getting, you know, just throwing out lines to get big cheers, then they are. They're really pointless. Um, so I don't fault Nikki Haley at all for saying, no, I'm not going to be part of that. I mean, what do we say, Dave, about the... All the debates when they'd come up and we'd sit in our meetings in the morning after. Did you watch? No. Why would I? No. Well, Why would it, I? If you are really missing the debates and wishing they were there, the the blame for that would be on Trump. He's the one that's declining to participate. And if he were to if he right. were to say but yes, even if he participated, would would would, the, would that debate do anything? I think it would at that point. You mean it actually would inform I, voters as to what? Oh, I'm talking about what is the benefit of having that debate? I think it would because I think people want to know uh, which Trump no. we're going to have. Because like, we saw a different Trump after the Iowa caucus. He was a little more tame. Oh, yeah. And you people, buying that? You think he's going to be like that forever? No, but I think people who are who believe in the Republican values want to know if he's going to be crazy town or not. I think debates now, what they've evolved into, serve zero purpose. How about that? Zero purpose for debates. 651-461-9226. Do you really want debates? Do you think they really matter? I don't think so. I think the concept is good, but no. They're pointless. Disagree with me if you want. Call me. Tell me you're, I'm nuts. You're nuts, Carter. I need the debate. 651-461-9226. Do debates matter? Do they really matter in this day and age? Okay, I'll say. I'll couch it as this way. At this level, at a national political level, for these... For the president. I just don't think so. I don't think. Can they be again? Yes, absolutely. I just think they've devolved into just reality uh, television. They've devolved into making comments about the other person. Uh, trying to get that sound bite. Those are the clip. And, and, and we're, we're partly to blame for that. Because what are, we, what, what are the clips we play the next day? I'm not going to come on here and, well, let's get into the policy clips. But here's a, but here, look, Nikki Haley called the yeah. Ron DeSantis a buffoon. That's the one. That's the clip we want to yes. hear, and they know that. So we totally play into that, and it's not exciting. It's not sexy to have two candidates sitting down and saying, "Well, here's here's I'm going to outline my policy on this and go over it piece by piece, and let's uh, compare it with your policy, and let's have a, a civilized discussion about the differences of those." There's a part of the population that wants to hear it. I think we all should hear that. But that's life in America now. So um, I just feel like they really, at this point in time, don't really have a, uh, don't really have a, uh, a function. Well, you said it with the um, clickbait and the short clips, and you hear about how most people either listen to the first few minutes and then tune out or just more often – only listen to clips of it the next day on uh, YouTube or social media, wherever they go to. And 
I do think that's on the responsibility of Americans is our attention spans have gotten so short and that impacts everything because like who sits down and listens to all whatever it is, 90 minutes of the debate right. and then has an informed decision based on all of that. Very few of us. We listen to a few little clips. We hear what somebody else says and we form our opinion based yeah. on that. And the concept, and I've moderated debates for at the like for city council races, for co- uh, county commissioner races, and those are not exciting television. I'll say it; I've moderated plenty of those. And if like if you're tuning in, like thinking this is going to be exciting, it's not. But it's purposeful and it's informative, and those are like candidate forums where it's not necessarily debates where here's my question about a policy. Mm -hmm. It's general enough that all these candidates can answer it based on if they're elected, what would they do about a particular policy? And does that lead to debate sometimes? Sure. But I think that is a better method of getting to the bottom of it. But again, those are races that nobody's focused on. So why would they try to, you know, get a zinger in there? It's, that's basically they're, Telling us what they want to do. Somebody asked on Town Square TV. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. If you boil it down to its you know simplest level, if you're a small town city council, like what are you debating? Well, should we uh, pave the freeway first, or should we start by replacing potholes in the city? Well, let's have a discussion about that. That is not sexy at all. Like that's not <laughs> right? interesting. You don't want to listen for an hour. But you know what? Those are the things politicians should be doing. Yes. They should be prioritizing infrastructure and deciding where our you know investment right. dollars go and things like that. And it's not, you know, you can't make a, a reel on Instagram based on that. Right. But those are the things we need our politicians and to that, do. That stood out to you this morning, right? We both were driving in, listening to Vanita in the morning news, and she had Karen Housley on, senator from Stillwater, Republican senator, because the bonding bill. Mm-hmm. Uh, Governor Walz's plans for the bonding bill released yesterday, and it's got a massive price tag, $930 million or billion. Um, and she's pushing back on it, saying, you know, that's, this isn't – but it, that's, that's politics. That's like, okay, this is a policy that I disagree with, and I think we should have, you know, conversation about. It's not like, you know, Tim Walz is out of touch. Tim Walz is – Hates Minnesota, and that's why he's doing this. That's where, but that's what we've devolved to, and it stood out to you. I know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah let's have a listen to yeah. what uh, uh, Karen Housley said to Vanita this morning. A little disappointing yesterday when the governor came out with his recommendations. Almost half of the nine hundred and eighty million dollars to state agency buildings. Why there wasn't more for our local communities, only 4%, when right now the Senate uh, Capital Investment Committee, we are touring the metro. We've already toured the out, uh, greater Minnesota, but now we're doing the metro. More than half of our visits are to local roads and bridges, all local community stuff. So it was, it was kind of disappointing, or it was disappointing, that he didn't have more for our local communities. That that's not like a. Sexy, I said nine hundred billion dollars. Yeah, I'm correct. It was nine hundred million. Yeah. yeah, that'd be a lot of money. But but that's not going to get a lot of attention. A, right. a, a debate like that about okay, here's some dollars for infrastructure. Should we use them to preserve historic buildings in our state, or should we use them to help rural mis- municipalities fix their roads? Like snooze fest in terms yes. of like, are we trying to you know create headlines right. and stuff here? But 
That's a fantastic question, and I'd like to hear the other side. I'm sure, sure there's another side of, no, we really need this money, but those are the kinds of debates that our politicians should be having instead of, you know, going further to the right, further to the re- left, throwing spears across the aisle, having hot-button issues like abortion and the border that we just constantly circle and circle about yeah. instead of doing actual things that, right. that well, maybe we can actually fix the roads so that in 10 years when these pol- this round of politicians are gone – we have smooth roads in right. the spring instead of potholes. That would be nice. And again, uh, it's some of it's on them, but a lot of it's on us too. Because you know why? You know why they? The, it's the hot button issues. You know why it's the the headline grabbers is because that motivates people. Yes. Well, now I got to go vote mm-hmm. when they're listening about infrastructure and bonding bills. That doesn't motivate nope. anybody nope. to get out to the polls. I shouldn't say anybody. Not enough people. Not though, enough. Which is why they need those issues yeah. that somehow scare you. Or motivate you to get to the polling booth. 1030 News Talk 830 WCCO. Again, a uh, investigation launched by the Department of Education, U.S. Department of Education, into the University of Minnesota in Title VI violations. We'll talk to Richard Painter, a law, law professor at the University of Minnesota. He'll join me next to give us details. Jordana on vacation uh, all week long, so it's just uh, Adam Solo this week. Uh, confirmed today the universe is uh, University of Minnesota under investigation by the Department of Education for Title VI violations. That uh, violating, I guess, discrimination against any race or ethnic group by a institution that's funded federally. And joining us to talk about it is the man who requested that investigation, Richard Painter, who's a law professor at the University of Minnesota. He joins us on the John Schuster Caldwell Banker Hotline. Uh, explain, is this directly a result, uh, Richard, uh, to your request, you and former Regent Michael Shue, that request? So is this investigation based on your request? Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. I believe so, yes. Uh, others have complained uh, about uh, what's going on in the College of Liberal Arts at the University of Minnesota. And essentially it's this, that uh, we have uh, faculty uh, departments uh, that want to put out official faculty statements on Palestine uh, about the situation in the Middle East and the uh, Hamas terrorist attacks on October 7, uh, 2023, which... Uh, uh, appear to justify or excuse the terrorist attacks uh, and uh, really are extremely uh, hostile to Israel. And this is, of course, free speech. Uh, faculty members have every right to express their opinions, either individually or collectively. But the websites of the departments of the College of Liberal Arts uh, at the University of Minnesota are for students to consult on academic requirements, um, uh, faculty contact information, uh, courses and the like, and if we have these statements on the faculty, on the website, faculty statements attacking Israel in this matter, uh, what we're going to have is, is a situation where there's uh, departments where Jewish students, many Jewish students, uh, simply are not going to want to study. Uh, we have this in the Gender Women's Studies Department, uh, the uh, Comparative Literature, Cultural Studies Department, and some others, 
and uh, these websites need to come down and the faculty members express their views on the Middle East, whatever those views are, in their individual capacity, not on taxpayer-funded websites uh, for the university. So those statements as of this moment are still up on university websites? Yes, I believe they are, and we have been for weeks urging that these statements be taken down. And I would urge the same thing if people put up statements that Muslim students and Arab students were offended by, whether it's about the situation in Israel or, or anything else. I mean, we have quite a few feminists who believe strongly that traditional Muslim attire for women is degrading for women and so forth, and they'd be free to express that opinion. But if I saw any faculty statements uh, condemning uh, traditional uh, Muslim uh, attire, uh, and clothing on our university websites, I would be uh, filing a similar complaint immediately. Uh, it's just not appropriate. This is not academic freedom for faculty to be using official university websites in this manner. We have reached out to uh, the University of Minnesota to get a response, also trying to get some clarification from the U.S. Department of Education. As far as you know, is these website, the statements on the website, the impetus for this investigation, or are there other instances of either alleged anti-Semitism or anti-Muslim activities or speeches or anything else at the university that might have uh, triggered this investigation? Well, we have had other instances uh, where uh, Jewish professors have been um, uh, harangued uh, by uh, colleagues and others, uh, accused of doxing when they're not. They're simply... uh, 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 watching what's going on at these pro-Hamas rallies on, on campus. Uh, we have had other incidents. Uh, and it's not just uh, uh, Jewish students who are victimized when faculty behave this way. Uh, uh, the College of Liberal Arts is very inconsistent in their approach to faculty speech. and uh, They penalize the speech they don't like and the speech they like they let happen. Uh, this is exactly what the University of Pennsylvania got in trouble for in that U.S. House hearing. Uh, There needs to be a consistent approach to academic freedom, and we need to put our students first, not our faculty uh, opinions uh, on either side of of a matter such as this or anything else. And just to be clear, you mentioned if these professors uh, or or doctors had put these statements, uh, issued these statements on their own website or... um, uh, in another avenue that you'd be completely fine with it? Well, absolutely. The First Amendment, freedom of speech. And uh, if I want to put a uh, Republican a GOP yard sign in my yard or a DFL yard sign or someone else wants to put a Hamas yard sign, they can go right on ahead. But uh, we don't put uh, uh, on the university websites uh, statements supporting the DFL, the GOP, or Hamas. Uh, there are, there's an important distinction here. Uh, the First Amendment of uh, the United States Constitution, of course, guarantees freedom of speech to say anything you want. If people want to advocate for communist revolution, they can do that. Uh, there's plenty of things you can do. But, uh, you know, on these websites, we do need to uh, think about our students and whether we are blocking access constructively to some of our departments in the College of Liberal Arts. And the problems have all really been in the College of Liberal Arts at the University of Minnesota, whether we're blocking access denying educational opportunities to Jewish students, or as I say, you put it in a different context to Muslim students. Uh, there are a lot of people in academia on the left who are very, very hostile to the traditional teachings of Islam. And, you know, that kind of thing just simply doesn't belong on a uh, faculty website. 
Talking to Richard Painter, University of Minnesota a law professor, about this uh, Title VI investigation underway now by the U.S. Department of Education. This is uh, basically the argument we're having all across the country, Richard, in that the, 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 the fine line between being able for a free exchange of ideas at public universities and colleges, which is where I think a lot of people want those conversations to take place, uh, and when they cross the line into something more than that, and I guess who feels victimized when that happens. Do you think that the, the, the based on these investigations happening, by the way, they're happening at, I think, 98 other schools in addition to the University of Minnesota, that we'll come out on the other side of this with a better understanding of, I guess, what will and will be not allowed on these college campuses where people want to ex- exchange free ideas? Well, I, I do think it depends on reasonable time, place, and matter. Uh, and giving a speech on a college campus uh, uh, is one thing, uh, using a university website uh, for the department, and the department taking a position that is right there in the same place as the course listings is quite another. So there is a question of reasonable time, place, and matter. And then there's the question of what's a, a reasonable a statement to make. I mean, to uh, criticize Israel for the uh, incursion into uh, Gaza and the death toll, and uh, there are lots of things you can criticize the Israeli government for, just like you can criticize our response to 9-11 mm-hmm. under President George W. Bush. Uh, that makes a lot of sense. We can have those conversations. But nobody after 9-11 said that uh, Osama bin Laden was somehow justified or had an excuse for what he did and that we were settler, colonial, whatever this business is, in the United States, and that taking down the World Trade Center was just part of the resistance. I mean, if anybody had said that, they would have been laughed off campus. Uh, Why should uh, Israel and Jews be treated differently? I mean, that's uh, the other issue, is the extreme extreme nature of these statements. We have a gender and women's studies department in CLA, the College of Liberal Arts. Gender and women's studies puts out a statement days after October 7, that nowhere acknowledges that Hamas uh, fighters raped uh, women and girls in Israel, civilians, and in some cases raped dead corpses. Uh, we have videotape of that, and they nowhere mention that. And they blame the attack on Israel on October 7 on Israel, and uh, that is just so extreme that while it may be First Amendment protected for an individual, I think it is, even though it's not, uh, it doesn't belong on the Gender and Women's Studies Department. The CLA dean, I've repeatedly asked, and well, the, uh, the dean of CLA, to get these taken down. She's never responded uh, to any of these inquiries, and it's one of many problems through our College of Liberal Arts uh, with respect to faculty speech and, and uneven, unfair treatment of faculty, they penalize the speech they do not like, and then they allow this kind of thing to be going on. And and, and, and we've tried in the university to address this, uh, and we don't seem to be getting it resolved, and I think it's time to bring in the Department of Education to, to talk to our College of Liberal Arts about what's appropriate and what's not. Is that, can you explain to me what the next step is, that what the U.S. Department of Education will do now? Do you have an idea of how they conduct this investigation, what we might expect to see? I believe they will ask questions of the university about what's going on. They may ask for uh, to talk to some faculty, uh, faculty in the uh, uh, who feel that they or their students are affected by this. So they'll be gathering information. Uh, I doubt they'll be talking at all to the media until they have reached a conclusion 
Uh, and then there's also the possibility of an informal resolution, which is what we're hoping for, that there'll be a conversation about this with the university and uh, that we could get the websites taken down and that the College of Liberal Arts uh, would treat all of their faculty and students with respect and, and have an even-handed and fair approach uh, to uh, faculty uh, and student speech uh, rather than selectively punishing what they don't like and then letting this kind of thing go forward. If those websites were taken down, would you be satisfied with that, or do you think other action needs to be taken? Well, I think a lot else needs to be done in the College of Liberal Arts to uh, to make the environment more hospitable uh, to students. Uh, not just Jewish students, but others uh, have complained about, for example, we have a music uh, curriculum that focuses almost exclusively on white Western music, and that's required in order to graduate. I, I think that's probably a Title VI violation. We have other problems in College of Liberal Arts that are not willing to talk with people about and, and address. Uh, but uh, this one, of course, is the most immediate concern, uh, and uh, we need to make sure that our Jewish and our Muslim students feel welcome at the University of Minnesota. How confident do you feel in your position? I mean, you've obviously raising a lot of questions about the place that employs you. Uh, that's my job, uh, not just as a uh, professor at the law school, but as a citizen of Minnesota. I, I value uh, this great university we have, a public institution, uh, which uh, uh, needs to serve the people of this state and our students. And our students, of course, many of them come from all over the world. Uh, there's a lot we need to do. I was, I've been very critical of tuition increases. Uh, we need to make the University of Minnesota affordable. Uh, we need to reform our curriculum uh, to make sure that it is welcoming to all uh, uh, people. And uh, uh, there's a lot we need to do to make this a better university. And part of my job as a Minnesota uh, and someone who's been in higher education now for three decades, part of my job is to point these things out and to ask for change where it's needed. Uh, it's a very political-sounding answer. I know my good, esteemed colleague, Chad Harmon, had you on just last week and asked you about uh, your thoughts about running in the 3rd District. Uh, it was only a week ago, but uh, any uh, any decision uh, has been being, being made there, Richard? Well, I've, uh, I've met with the Democratic Farm and Labor Party with Ken Martin, and I'm going to be talking to others uh, about the possibility of seeking the Democratic Farm and Labor Party uh, endorsement. Uh, for that seat, I have considered running as an independent, uh, but I don't think I'll do that this year. There, there are various uh, consequences of that we're well aware of. I am a former Republican. Uh, I believe strongly in fiscal responsibility uh, and uh, uh, many of the traditional values of the Republican Party, but I don't think the Republican Party is going in the right direction right now. Uh, former Governor Arnie Carlson has been very supportive of my efforts here. He is a former Republican. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, um, I'm planning to uh, explore this further with the DFL. Um, but I want to emphasize we have corruption uh, in both political parties in the United States. And this is not a time for the Democrats to sit back and, and point to the uh, uh, monstrosities of Donald Trump and then just say, well, we're the next best thing. Well, no, uh, we need... Uh, elected officials in this country who uh, are not influenced by special interests. Uh, the big money coming in from sulfide mining companies and others is trying to corrupt the legislature in St. Paul. Mm-hmm. Uh, the fossil fuel industry in Washington, I testified in front of the Senate Budget Committee uh, just last June about uh, the corruption of the United States Congress by the fossil fuel industry. 
we need to clean it all up. And this isn't a Democrat or a Republican agenda. This is about do we want a Congress that's responsive to the American people. Richard, thank you for the time. As always, we'll reach out again. We appreciate uh, your availability. Thank you very much for having me. Richard Painter, a law professor at the University of Minnesota. He and a former regent, Michael Shue, requested that U.S. Department of Education investigation based on anti-Semitic statements, alleged anti-Semitic statements made on university websites and confirmed today that the U.S. Department of Education is conducting that Title VI investigation. It's 1050, your reaction at 651-461-9226. Next. Your Linda's Construction time check is 1055. It is time to save 50% off installation labor on Infinity made from Inf- Minnesota made Infinity from Marvin Windows. Linda's, by the way, one of our uh, title sponsors of a great event that we do every year, Let's Kick Hunger Day, a week from, t- no, two weeks from tomorrow, February 1st at um, Second Harvest Heartland. We were out there last year with the phone banks. It's great time the great folks at second harvest and you know uh february 1st you know what the day before february 1st is uh january 31st right you know what day that is that your birthday that's my birthday look at that i even knew that yep you didn't know that i did it's on my calendar oh what are you gonna give me are you (laughs) you know we got a lot of it's big time birthdays uh Let me get you 10,000 pounds of potatoes the next day. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll donate them to Second yeah, Harvest Island. You will. Uh, both uh, Vanita and Jason have the same birthday, oh. uh, one week before mine. So Jason turns. So next week. Jason and I are the same age, and he's just one week older than I am. But he looks much, much older. <laughs> or he used to. Not anymore. <laughs> Now he's skinny and he has hair and he's driving luxurious sedans around town. When we go to second, and billboards, yes, there's two versions of that billboard. I, I saw that, and which leads us into our next conversation, DJ. <laughs> okay, what is with the federal government saying we can't have funny billboards, funny traffic signs? I take great joy in seeing uh, a good pun from MnDOT. <laughs> On a sign telling me to slow down. No, you don't. I do. I no, think it's you part don't. Of the great fabric You're full of, life. of it. It's part of the great fabric. No, of life. no. Why care. do they want to kill our buzz, our humor buzz, with our great folks at Mindot? Let's get into that after CBS News and a local report. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app, the biggest sports radio stations in the country, providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives, streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 